now. There we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of Fan Fuel Motorsports. I am part-time host. Is it? Can I call myself full-time now? Yeah, you're I'm full-time here. Yeah, he's like the regional manager. Comes around, checks on everything. Um, your host, Colton Cranmore, joined as always by Nathan Ball. Um, this is episode seventy-four, so we're getting close to hundred here. We'll hit it. Yeah, again. I don't know, six weeks or not six weeks. Six. Ep- that's six episodes. Six months. A little, little under six months. I cool. think. I think. Yeah. I think 26 weeks is half a year. Yeah, six months. We'll hit it. Which is pretty cool. Nate, you had a pretty fucking good weekend, sound like. Yeah, I did. Uh, I was in Daytona from Friday to, to Monday, actually. Well, not Monday. I was there till Sunday night. But uh, I was there for Friday for the Xfinity race. I was there Saturday. Um, I didn't really do much Saturday because the race got canceled. And then I got to come back on Sunday, which which was interesting. Um, it was a hot race. Um, I knew I was going to get rained on, which I did. And I stayed there for another two or three hours to watch, um, basically 20 laps of just 10 cars riding around. And that was it. Yeah. But we, we got to meet Richard Petty, which was pretty cool. So there's that. Yeah. So when was that? I saw you post that on Twitter. What was, um, what was that about? Long story short is I got an ad from Lionel saying that they were selling die casts in the gift shop. And if you were one of the first 100 people to buy the die cast back there, you would be able to get a wristband, which is like this free pass to meet him. Hmm. So long story short, I was one of the people to go get one. They gave me a wristband. I came back the next day whenever it was scheduled. I think it was like noon. But there was um, – I think all a hundred wristbands got sold. So it was pretty full and hmm. I was about halfway through the line. I got, so I got to meet him. They didn't let us take any pictures really, but it was still pretty cool because um, that was a bucket list item for me. Cause I've never seen him before. Yeah. So he's probably like the third or fourth really old driver that I've got to see. Did it ever cross your mind at any point during that to sell your ticket for like twice what you bought the diecast for? Um, it's a thought, but as of right now, I want to keep it just because I'm like such a big NASCAR fan to where it actually means too much for me to give it up because I, I've had merchandise in the past that could sell for two or three times what it could no, sell I mean, for, little, but I just... The little wristband to go meet Richard Petty. Like you could have sold that at Daytona for, I don't know, a good 500 bucks, I bet at least. No, I, I don't want to do this because I, like, I wanted to meet him. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not saying that he's going to not be around much longer, but he's, he's 85 years old. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like that's, Um, I don't want to miss this opportunity because I've never seen him. I've met 30 or 40 different people and I've never seen him in person in my life. I've never seen him walk around. I've never seen him anywhere. Yeah. So that's probably like the only chance that we'll probably get to see him because he doesn't make many appearances down here. That would have crossed my mind for probably about a minute and a half, but then like you, like I've, I'll never get that chance to see Richard Petty again. Oh yeah, like I know better than to, to give that chance up. Having headphone troubles? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to adjust my headphones and everything. Gotta get them situated. There we go. Yeah, better. Um, but yeah, Kickass sounds like a uh, at least a decent start to the weekend. Um, move on into Friday night. What? What was it like going into the race, knowing that it was going to be a delayed start just because of the rain? Um, oh, man. And then uh, what was your take on the race as a whole? I was actually really happy that they got the race in late at night because I, I don't like having to come back the next day. 
Um, I don't like day races in Daytona because of the temperature. I mean, I've done it several times before and it's definitely not as fun as having a night race for that same reason. So when they said they were going to try to get the race in at night, that was actually really good because it meant, you know, the weather's a lot cooler. I can kind of just, I, all I have to do the next day is come back and watch the cup race because I didn't want to have to have that clash at the same time with the petty appearance. Right. Right. So like that was, that was good for me not having to, to deal with that issue. And then what about the race? Obviously it was different in the stands compared to me watching it at home, but what did you think of it? Oh man, that was absolutely insane. Um, first of all, I wanted to say that I, I made a bet with somebody. I said that if, you know, if Jesse Awuji gets a top 10, I'm going to jump into the hotel pool with my clothes on. And he really came close to doing uh, that at one point. <laughs> like he was one spot away. And that was, that kind of floored me at first because I didn't think that was going to happen. And then on the last restart, I saw him in seventh and I was like, there's no way, but it looks like they pitted him to kind of put him in the back and let him survive. Yeah. Um, I was impressed though with a lot of stuff that went on. I mean, Austin Hill was pretty impressive. His damaged car, he took the lead. Uh, Graxon pretty much felt like the best car for the whole race. And then he got taken out, but from a, a standpoint of actually watching the race as a fan. I was entertained when I saw the Almendinger run out because like, okay, maybe something interesting can happen now. And then I saw Austin Hill run out and I was like, okay, this is really going to be interesting, but it looks like Hill kind of messed up the restart because he stayed on the track, which kind of hurt the lane behind him. And I'm really curious to see what would have happened if he didn't do that because Timmy Hill would have lined up on the front row. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't watch, a ton of the race on Friday night. We actually went this last weekend um, to visit Cheyenne's parents in Kremlin, Colorado, which is like three and a half hours away from us, all the way up in the mountains. Um, so I had really shitty service and for the first stage, and we got to the house by the time the second stage started, and just hanging out and everything. I, I really only watched like the last 10 laps or so, maybe. Wow. Um, but yeah, it, it was a of, crazy race. Yeah, I kind of filled in here and there. I had it on, but at the same time, like, I'm not trying to be that dickhead that goes to visit, you know, her parents for the one time a year that we do go visit and just be, like, glued to my phone the whole time, you know. Try to be a little bit more social. Um, but did see the finish. Um, those of you who aren't aware, Jeremy Clements was on this podcast uh, just before the season started at Daytona. Yes. Um, I had the chance to meet him and hang out with him a little bit in Atlanta. Super cool experience. Super cool guy. So I'm a big Jeremy guy. Um, Nate and I were actually both on. We also had Steve Carnes too. Yeah, we had Steve Carnes, a member of First Pacific Funding, which is one of his main sponsors. Um, Nate and I have both been on Jeremy's car as like a, you know, kind of like a sponsorship. You pay 50 bucks every time First Pacific Funding runs their main scheme and you get to be on the car and there's six amount of people. Um, Nate and I have both done that. So we're big Jeremy Clements guys. And to see him get that win on Saturday – was fucking awesome. Like I tried not to swear as much on here, but holy shit, that was awesome. I thought one of the most interesting parts is that there was a fan about a row behind me, which she was in full like Jeremy Clemens gear. I've never seen like such a diehard Jeremy Clemens fan in my life. Cause I look behind me for the last five or 10 laps. I just hear screaming. I'm like, I don't know what's going on back there. And then I turned around and I see this person in like full Jeremy Clemens gear. And then it made sense. I, I don't know if she was related to him or I don't know if she was related to someone on the team, but I have never seen 
like a such a diehard fan. That fan, of fan and, like, what are the odds of her going to the one race in the first race in five years that he wins? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which, it was the I same mean, day as his last win prior to. Yeah. Yeah, that was a cool stat. The checker flag flew exactly five years to the day of his first win. Um, man, I wish we could kind of get in touch with that lady to see if it was, <laughs> you know, she's related to someone like you said or just a huge fan. Because if she was a huge fan, let me tell you, greatest day of her life right there. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt. I've I, I've never seen, like I said, I've never seen such a diehard fan of his. Um, A big discussion I've seen on Twitter this last weekend was that final caution at the race. What was your take on it? Because I watching on TV, it looks like they could have kept going. They definitely could have, but it looked like they were going to try at the last second. And then Herbs kind of spun back into traffic, which kind of ended the race, but he kept going. He didn't have any big damage, but I think because he was sitting in the track for a few seconds, they did it. But to me, it just felt like they wanted to be over. Like they yeah. held that caution until they crossed the line. Like we're done. Yeah. You know, Cause it was what, it was like two in the morning and they were, trying to get done and yeah it was super late i i've heard people say that it was because austin hill was stopped too somewhere else i didn't know yeah. where he was stopped but he must have been stopped somewhere yeah so i mean there's obviously i just was curious if you saw anything at the track that you could say definitively was oh this was it um but i've heard but i think you actually posted on twitter that um allegedly austin hill had stopped somewhere in the track um i couldn't see way, it from where i was yeah either way jeremy clement's got a w which is cool However, yesterday we got a huge kick in the nads because the the win wasn't rescinded, um, but the playoff eligibility and the points were, um, as well as a 75-point penalty and a $60,000 fine for the crew chief, which is an L2 penalty for an illegal intake manifold found at R&D. Nate, you want to go on a rant because you were heated yes. about this on Twitter with the whole thing. Yeah, I think that um... – in term, I'm in favor of either all or nothing. I was under the impression when NASCAR started this whole disqualification thing that, like, if your car was illegal, you're going to get disqualified. And it doesn't matter if they find it 10 minutes after the race or they find it three days after the race. I was under the impression that you're either illegal or you're not. But it, now it seems like, okay, well, we we found that Hamlin's car was illegal an hour after the race. So he's disqualified. And then, oh, well, this guy has a whole engine manifold. It's not just a piece of tape. It's like a whole engine manifold which which is a track where engines everything and you get i was like oh well he gets to keep the win which this is one of the reasons why i've been anti-disqualification for the longest time in nascar at least because for 60 or whatever years guys have had illegal cars and they've got to win mm -hmm. so why are we just now starting to erase records from the book you know, I feel like it's got to be either yes or no on his qualifications. You can't just say that, oh, well, this guy's illegal. He loses the race. And then, oh, well, this guy's illegal. And he, he can, he gets to keep the win. Like there's got to be some form of consistency here. I know yeah. that they've said, oh, well, it's because they didn't find it until a couple of days later, but they like, it's still illegal. So it, it would only be fair to disqualify him. But at the same time, I think that that's why I'm not a fan of DQs. Like I think that, let them keep the win, but take the points away. So I, I think Hamlin won that race in Pocono. Yeah. Like he won which, that race. Yeah, which I agree with. Um, like even Elliot's like, I, I didn't win this race. Yeah, I think you get too much confusion with what is an actual DQ, what's just an encumbered win. Um, like, I, to be honest, I don't even think NASCAR could really tell you what it boils down no. to. Um, I don't know whether it is if they find it at the track versus R&D. 
Um, I don't know if it's, you know, just supplied parts get you the DQ. You know, I don't, none of us know. And I don't think NASCAR knows most of the time. Um, I would like some more black and white out of NASCAR, especially this rule, but all rules. Um, but nonetheless, I'm not too pissed off about it because I'm not a Hamlin fan. Um, and Jeremy still keeps the win. Right. I think it's, it all depends. I feel like my driver is kind of the, the poster child of NASCAR saying, Hey, we want to be strict. We want to like drop the hammer. And then they have a chance to double down on them. They don't. It's like, well, then why did you drop the hammer on him? If you're not going to do it again? Right. You know, it seems a little bit weird in the sense that you're using a ball and strike call for something that's not supposed to be ball and strike. Yeah, exactly. Um, We have, if any of you guys read the description to this, uh, episode it is colton and nate are joined by keith merrick keith was running a little late no worries to keith we'll catch him right back up but he is here now welcome keith merrick welcome back keith howdy how you doing how's it going it's going good man i was trying to set this whole thing up on my laptop and my laptop wasn't being all that cooperative so that's gonna have to be another day kind of thing so the phone's gonna suffice oh yeah which phone has worked in the past? It's perfect. Yep. Um, so we just kind of chopped it up a little bit. We talked about Nate's uh, experience at the Speedway this last weekend. Um, and then we kind of dug into the Xfinity race all the way up to Jeremy Clements' DQ. Um, give me a rundown. What was this weekend about with Xfinity? What did you think of it? Oh, man. Um, Xfinity was a good race. I enjoyed it. Um wasn't able to keep up with everything about it, but you know, the very end kind of got a little chaotic. Um, and uh, with Jeremy Clements winning, Jeremy was a, a great win for the sport as a whole. Um, seeing drivers that don't have all the funding in the world go out and win, especially someone like Jeremy Clements at a place like Daytona, is huge. Um, so out of all the guys that could have won that race at the end, it was really cool to see him. I know Timmy Hill finished second. And uh, that would probably have been my my first pick out of all the drivers that were left. Um, he's shown to be a really cool dude. And um, after his old iRacing stint in 2020, I really gained a whole different appreciation for him as a driver. Um, and you kind of got a more of a glimpse of him outside of the racing aspect as well. So Timmy Hill would have been a great race winner. But um, after the whole DQ, it's uh, – kind of put a sour taste in my mouth about, you know, Jeremy Clemens win and the fact that Timmy Hill wouldn't be awarded the win, um, regardless of all the findings happening days after, you know, it, it kind of makes you think back to, to Denny and Kyle at Pocono that, you know, even just because someone got DQ'd doesn't matter what day of the week it is. You know, if you find something that's not right, you shouldn't just, you know, mince it and say, Oh yeah, they only got like half the things right. So it, it's either you're going to, honor the way that you've been doing in the last three years now or don't honor it at all. Right. Exactly. Which is kind of exactly what Nate said as well. He's super passionate about this one being a, a Hamlin fan, obviously. Right. Cause it's like, now I kind of want that one back. <laughs> right. Like, I want it back. <laughs> Understandably. So, cause that's, yeah. you know, th- that's, that's five bonus points to chase Elliott. Yeah, that's... And that's five less bonus points to Denny Hamlin, plus all the points he missed out on that could have helped him to get extra bonus points in the point standing itself. 
you know, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of different things that go along with that. Not it's, to mention sponsors I just and all the, that. I want the win in the record books because I feel like it's a little bit weird that there's been one guy in 1960 and between him and the guy in 1960, there has been, you know, there's been like 10 or 20 illegal cars to win races and they've all kept their win. And he's probably going to be the only guy in a long time to actually get a win directly erased. So I feel like, you know, if Clemens gets to keep his trophy and loses points, I'm like, well, why can't Hamlin lose the points, but keep the trophy? Cause I'm like, I just want to have 49 wins. Right. You know, just to be able to say that. Right. Exactly. Um, but I mean, as we chalked it up earlier, like we're not going to, fucking know why nascar doesn't make this a ball and strike thing it's um, so confusing it's yeah. for entertainment it's because he's the underdog and um this that and the other thing and they're gonna find an excuse for it um so is what it is i'm a huge fan of it jeremy keeps the win kick yes ass. i agree like i'm glad he won that race because i would have sucked to see him get taken away like that yeah i 100 percent agree i think that jeremy clemens like i said winning is is a huge thing for the sport um, and kind of adds to the, to the validity of the Xfinity series, you know, because Denny Hamlin, what he ended up getting docked for was altering a, uh, manufactured part. So mm-hmm. something that he ends up getting from outside gets manufactured and gets altered. Um, that's, you know, what he gets popped on But Jeremy Clements. That was something that they built in-house, in-shop, you know, so there is some, you know, uh, blue collar to it again still, which is nice. Um, and a team that isn't doesn't have all the funding in the world. I've never heard of all South Electric in my entire life, and they went to Victory Lane. So it, it, it really prompts a lot of these teams and sponsors to want to hop on board for a race like Talladega or Daytona, even Atlanta now. You know, shit, even the road courses, because, you know, Jeremy Clements is a great road racer, you know, so wherever a driver can show what kind of talent they have, and if they don't have the most amount of funding, if a sponsor thinks, shit, we might have a shot to win, guess what? They're going to give it all they got. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, underdog stories are always cool, but they always seem a little bit cooler in NASCAR, just because of, like you mentioned, like the blue-collar aspect of it. Like, you don't see NFL teams just – like grinding it out during the week, polishing their own helmets, like, you know, players you know, <laughs> cleaning the equipment and stuff. Um, that is what goes on in a lot of, you know, these smaller NASCAR teams. Um, Absolutely. A cool Cinderella story. Moving on to Saturday, which then turned into Sunday, we had some cup drama. Um, some? Huge yeah, playoff some. implications, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Rick Allen right there. Yeah. Um which is ironically the title of this episode, Playoff Implications. So can I preface this by asking you guys a question? Mm-hmm. I want to know, in your opinion, how many years it will be until Daytona is the championship race? Oh, man. I remember joking about this. The moment I saw – I heard them, like, the, the the year they announced they were moving it to August. Like, my first thought is, like, this is going to be a trial run, and then they're, boom, championship race. And I was like, please, like, please don't make this right now, because I don't want Daytona as a championship race. Like, I like it being in the summer. And but now that you've said this, I think this is definitely going to hurt their case for it. I think that they went into having it as a playoff cutoff in preparation for maybe one day making it the championship race. But now that's really going to set them back. So I don't even know if they're going to do it at all now because of the bad reception it got. Um. 
Yeah, I don't ever see it being the championship race. Uh, I, I think, think – take it this way. You have – when we strapped up and went into the race, there were 14 drivers that were confirmed. There were 15 drivers that could have punched themselves in. When you have it as the final four race, you only got four drivers. Sure, everybody mm-hmm. else is in the mix as well. But, you know, say you had, you know, the 11, the 99, the four, and the 31 were the final four drivers. And they all fucking wreck and turn one, just like we saw on Sunday. And the three car comes out of nowhere. Cool, he wins the race, but who, who wins the championship? It is the most diabolical kind of situation. And I, there's no merit to it. But if you're going to put it as the playoff cutoff race, whoever decided that deserves a fucking raise. Because that was some of the most entertaining shit I've ever seen up until about 23 to go. <laughs> So, yeah. so you said the buzzword, entertaining. I don't think Daytona is going to be the final race. I don't think that's going to happen. But what NASCAR just had this last weekend, whether true fans like to see 10 cars finish the race or not, it was entertaining as shit, and it got people talking, right? How many people do you think this last weekend just watched that one NASCAR race because they were over to Buddy's house and now want to watch next weekend at Darlington? I know two. Really? Okay, this is good. I was at the track, so I couldn't tell. But the the race before the rain was really, really good. That's for it sure. It was. It was fantastic. Um, I think Rock Talladega solid. is going to be the championship race by the end of the day. Oh my god! Yeah, that that would be just as messed the, up as Daytona. <laughs> that's exactly it. We're gonna get four guys. We're gonna put them in. Basically, we're gonna put them in a cup, shake them around. Whoever we roll wins. I have more faith in Talladega, and I'll hear. I I will tell you why. Daytona is too tight. I would Daytona, agree. Daytona's too tight, and that's what makes it really fun. Now, Talladega, yeah. you have so much width and so much range to get around the racetrack. Do I like it? Not particularly, but if NASCAR's going to put an option like you want, Daytona or Talladega, I'm going Talladega because if I have a little bit more wiggle room around the whole racetrack and I feel like I can make moves, I feel like I have an opportunity to jump in different lanes and not get myself into a tight squeeze – like, let me tell you, man, three wide at Talladega is – it's all right. I, I can handle it. Three wide at Daytona is – that is, like, you tense up real tight when you watch them go into turn one because yeah. it's it's a hard – that's a hard sell. It's a lot of fun, but, you know, if anything, Talladega's got a little bit more merit to it. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. So you, you, I mean, I, I wouldn't be fine with a Talladega championship race. No, but I, I, I definitely would want it, but and like to Keith's point, I would much prefer that over Daytona, just exactly. because it is wider. You can get away from stuff a little bit easier. You can generate runs a little bit better. Um, but either way, I just thought that was a kind of a fun topic. I've been thinking about that all day at work. Um, so race Sunday it was really good up until about the rain. Nate, when did it start raining in the stands? Okay, well, this is the fun part because it's kind of one of those places that's so big that some people could tell it's raining, some people couldn't. And I knew that if I looked toward turn one, that it would I mean it was like just a big dark cloud. I mean, it was going to pour. I knew that whether they wrecked or not, they were going to have five minutes or so of racing before that rain hit. I thought they were going to crash and then under the caution, it was going to start raining. That's what I thought would happen. You know, that I thought they would just freak out and they wouldn't make it to the rain because you know it's getting really intense but what happened is from my point of view 
I could feel a drizzle for a couple laps before that. And it wasn't like a stop racing drizzle. It was just, you couldn't even see the raindrops. You could just feel a mist. And then off of turn four on the lap that they crashed, the rain, it started to come down. Like you could start to see the raindrops and about right when I was actually paying close attention to whoever led at the start finish line, because I figured they were going to throw a caution. Like that was my split second expectation. I was like, you know, this could be the race right here. And Suarez led that lap. Still no caution. They go into turn one. They all crash. I thought it was just a normal crash at first because I couldn't really see whether or not somebody had been hit. And like literally 10 seconds. I mean, it was heavy rain when they crashed, at least for here. Like you could, people were putting stuff away because it was starting to get wet. And Hmm. like as soon as everybody came to a stop, it started pouring. I mean, like the second that they stopped crashing is I got up and I went to go get shelter. Like that's how quickly it happened. You know, I didn't even sit to see a replay. I just went to go get shelter, Hmm. but I I definitely think that that rain, like I was amazed. I was sitting there for like 15 seconds when it was starting to rain really heavy. I was like, there's going to be a caution really soon here. You know, I didn't think it was hard enough for them to all crash, but I knew that like it had to be a caution because you could see the raindrops falling. Yeah. Um, at what point did you see a replay of the wreck to find out? Um, about 15 or 20 minutes later, um, Daytona is a really nice place in the sense that it has like these lounges and these concourses that you can sit in and they have a bunch of TVs around and I saw so a replay nice. and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was like, I cannot believe this just happened. Like, it, like nobody hit anybody. It just rained. So that was, that was sad because I was like, like I knew, I knew Hamlin was going to get turned in some way, shape or form because he was up there. Like he's going to get taken out by somebody. Like he's not going to finish this race. But then when I saw the replay, I was like, like that there's ways to lose, but that one's got to hurt the most. Yeah. And that really did hurt the most. It sounds like actually yeah. just today, Denny is out for the Xfinity race at Darlington. Going to try to heal up. He's still pretty sore. He said his neck, his back and his hips um, from that wreck. Um, and I would assume you guys by now have heard the audio that's been floating around on Twitter. Yeah, like Bubba and like all and, the radios. Yeah. yeah. Um, Justin Haley was an interesting one. Um, mm-hmm. As well as the views from the wrecks, like some in-car views from the wrecks. You could see what some raindrops on some. Yeah. What do you guys think of some of the impacts now that we're able to actually see <laughs> a lot of these in real time? Keith, Tough. go ahead. You're shaking your head. I watched the Suarez in-car cam from his windshield down at him and it looked like Mike Tyson was fucking punching him from all angles at the same time. And, uh, you know, Dakota Rutledge, he got in my, uh, my mentions and he starts posting pictures of like Dale Earnhardt 96. And I'm just like, yeah, we're right there. That's the problem is that that's exactly <laughs> where we're at is we came as far as, you know, David Rudiman and, and, you know, Michael McDowell finding themselves up in the air, you know, the fucking double zero Rudiman had a stupid crash at Fontana back mm-hmm. in 2007. You had David, uh, Michael McDowell tumble his way down the banking in Texas. You've had Austin Dillon come to a complete stop in the catch fence. And every one of these drivers has gotten out of the race car just fine. And I don't know what it's been. And I, there was a, a little thing on, on door bumper clear a few years ago that when William Byron crashed at Fontana, it was a really rigid hit that it was awesome for really hard hits. 
Like, if you're going to have, like, a Ryan Newman-level hit, you'll be fine. But your basic hits are going to hurt a lot. And that is the total opposite because the odds of us having a Ryan Newman-level crash are so unbelievably low. Right. How low? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen a Ryan Newman-level crash since Ryan Newman crashed. Right. So I don't know where the – I understand trying to keep that safety aspect, absolutely. But when you're going to take all of the swings at just the one-off chance instead of Kurt Bush really, mm-hmm. spinning off a turn three at Pocono, that is such a normal incident that I have seen over the years. And he backed it into the wall, and he's been out since – Denny right. Hamlin, who is, you know, creeping up into, you know, his mid-40s now, who is in the middle of a playoff battle, who has one of the best chances to go and win his first and possibly only title, has to withdraw from the one Xfinity race he does every single year at right. his best racetrack. And yeah. I'm not going to – I'm not just saying, you know, like like he's doing this because it's his best racetrack, all that sucks. Mm-hmm. It sucks if he went to, you know, I don't know, fucking Bowman Gray. You know, like it it sucks having to be out of a race sucks. You know, you have sponsors that are behind Mm -hmm. you. You have team members that are behind you. You have your fans behind you. But most importantly, now you have your confidence level like down to here because you're like, okay, I can't even race this car. Am I going to be all right on Sunday? Am I going to be all right to race for the next 10 weeks? Yeah, Am I going to be all right for the rest of my career? That's my concern with concussions is that they're not like a broken bone. You know, you don't know exactly when you're going to heal. Some people just have worse luck than others. You know, it's not like everyone gets them the same. You know, some people are just unlucky. Um, Because you saw Kurt, he took hit after hit after hit after hit this season. And, like, it got to the point even before Pocono, they didn't know if he was going to sit out anyways. But Pocono kind of just finished him off. Like, that made his decision easy. But you look at Hamlin now, it's like, you could say all you want, oh, well, it's just an Xfinity race, so I don't see the problem with him sitting out. But, like, like I said before, this guy has driven through injuries, so the odds of him sitting out of a race are super rare. Like, this is not normal behavior for him. So for that to happen, it makes you think, like, okay, how bad was it actually for him to sit out of a race? And you could say, oh, well, it's just Xfinity, which he doesn't have to run, of course. But at the same time, that almost makes me think that he doesn't want to take another hit. He doesn't want to have what happened to Kurt Busch happen to him, where they just keep adding up. You know, if he has one more bad hit in the next couple of weeks, you know, he might be out for a couple of weeks. You never know because we don't know if he took a concussion test this week. We don't know if he took one on the day of. Like, there's no information for us as to whether or not he thinks he might have got one or whether or not they've evaluated him and cleared him. But I think that eventually these things are just adding up and piling up. And I don't want it to be where drivers are like oh my gosh i had one bad hit i can't afford any more of these like that's that's kind of what level they're reaching right now right um keith you brought up the suarez in car um which was i mean that was a that was a very violent crash um for a crash that didn't look to be that violent i know we make a lot of saying oh it didn't look that bad um this one really didn't look as bad as the in-car footage showed um at least from the outside. If you guys watch about the third impact that you see and it really jolts him around, that yeah. was a car, um, I believe it was Chastain, sliding up and hitting him at the rear. And just yeah, like something it, mundane. Yeah, it didn't even jolt the car forward that much, but it shook the hell out of Suarez. You'd have thought he got plowed in by the driver's side. Um, 
I was talking to Dakota Rutledge. I'm in a group chat with him and Rattlesnake and uh, Jacob and Trekkin. Um, and uh, I kind of explained to him, like, look, I've seen a lot of wrecks from that point of view, from everything from any open wheel car, dirt cars, you know, you name it. I've probably seen some sort of in-car footage from a nasty accident. And uh, that one was fucking violent. Like, I, I get it. Car wrecks are super, you know, they're, they're not pretty to look at. Right. And they're not pretty to be in. But that one was oddly, like, it was oddly violent. I don't know how to else. To yeah, explain. I bet if they had Hamlin's in car, you would see how bad that was. Because I knew yeah. that once I saw a replay, he even said it on the radio. He's like, man, this was a bad hit. Yeah. And, like, I was like, I knew the second I saw it, I was like, that's a big hit. Like, that's yeah. big. He didn't and, get anything uh, to give. He just went straight into the wall. Yeah. And uh, I saw a lot of replies to that tweet of, oh, here's Clint Boyer's in-car cam from 2012. Like yeah, right. don't get me wrong; those are also bad crashes. But there's but that wasn't like normal. Impact, it didn't seem like. And then you can kind of see them. They're you know brave enough to grab the wheel and start moving around. That's how safe they feel in those cars after the first impact. Mm -hmm. Where Suarez kept his hands up the entire time and really didn't try to touch the wheel because he knew he was probably going to get plowed into and hurt if he tried. Um, so that is, I mean, alarming. We've been talking about it on here and on Twitter for a while now. There's like a huge thread from uh, yeah. NASCAR man history about like every driver comment. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's crazy. And every driver now is saying, them. it seems like after the first couple came out and said, okay, these things feel rigid. And then the Kurt Busch incident, um, and they started speaking out. Now it seems like every driver is getting out. Like what the fuck, man, you see the Bubba radio. Yeah. Last week. He was yeah. mad. He was yeah. big mad and he has every reason to be mad. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, you're strapping into 190 mile an hour death machine at this point. You know, right. and that wasn't the case two years ago. Last year, it wasn't even right. the case. You know, and, and this was a safety concern that has been in the works for two years, pre-pandemic. We right. knew about this. Like, everybody within the sport knew about this, and they had time to fix this. And they, for whatever reason, they never fixed it. it it's almost like whatever kind of, of impact goes into the car, nothing gets distributed properly it all just goes straight to the driver. And I don't understand how we were able to master this technology, like down to a T for years after all the deaths we had from the late nineties into the very early two thousands, how after, you know, you had blaze Alexander pass away. That was the last stock car crash that killed the driver. So how did we go from that to where now I feel like we're regressing back into where you're going to find yourself in some pretty shitty, like murky water here. You know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. back in 2012 had a couple bad concussions, had you know his, his bad one in 2016, 2002, you know, and, and some drivers may just be prone to concussions, of course. You know, like Dale Earnhardt Jr. back in 2002, that's – really really right after Brandon alexander you know i was what five months after so right. you know that that was still really early um you know but at the same time like the concussions have slowed down tremendously and all of the health protocols that go into it are also kept pretty pretty in line which is great but to hear so many drivers have so many moans and groans about the hits is it's really concerning because you just wonder how much longer are these drivers going to strap into these race cars for yeah i think that there might be a couple 10 years down the line if it doesn't get fixed at retire early because you think about 
what Christopher Bell says or Corey LaJoy says, they're not that old and they're already talking about, you know, this is not good. Um, you know, these are way worse. So it, it makes you wonder how much more these older drivers are going to race with it unless something is fixed. Because I think that it's, I think Ryan Newman said it before he was smart. He got out, you know, he got out at the right time and he's fine. Never coming back because of that. Right. And like, another thing is, is remember, I know it probably circulated a couple times in your timelines. Um, I know that Kyle Larson and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. They run a certain Hans device yes. that they that they fancy with the dirt cars. There's never been an issue with it, and that crash at Daytona in the spring for the 500. Mm-hmm. I have never seen somebody's neck move that fast, that quick, ever. And I'm sure that drivers have had hits like that. Like a lot, like I'm sure Kyle Larson in 2016 had a, had a pretty significant hit inside the car at Fontana. I mean, dude lifted off the ground, you know, flew however many feet away from the impact zone. And I've never seen an impact the way that Stenhouse had. And I think, sure, you can say, oh, you know, the Hans device, you know, the Hans device. What about the car? Like, yeah. we've never had a situation like this where you've seen, like, I mean, his helmet got this close away from the steering wheel. Like you're in like bachelor's skull fracture territory at that point, getting that far away at that quick. Like there's, there's something with the car that shouldn't be. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just stiff. It's too stiff. Yeah. Yeah. I heard someone say, and this isn't quite accurate to what the actual tweet said, but it was something along the lines of this car is kind of like, if you tried to step on a brick versus stepping on like a yoga mat, um, yeah. <laughs> super stiff for no goddamn reason. Um, so, I mean, weekly safety rant continues. Um, yeah. It's been a trending thing with fan fuel for at least the past year. Um, moving on to the end of Sunday, playoff implications. MTJ loses out on a playoff spot because essentially – ran out of laps. I mean, or he had too many laps, I guess you could say. Um, by the time the race ended, Blaney had passed enough cars taken out in that previous wreck to secure him a spot in the playoffs. I think it was by only three points. Yep. Um, so I'm not really doing a woke or joke here this week, but fuck, we just got two of the top five guys knocked out of the playoffs and don't, or one of them doesn't have a chance at the championship now. Yeah, that's gonna be a little bit weird. I, I, I like I've said at this point, I don't. I am forever anti-playoff, but at this point, I'm like I, I don't get mad at it. It's just it's so ridiculous that I just have to laugh at it. Like I cannot take it seriously anymore. Like it's entertaining, but as a as a legitimate championship, I cannot take it seriously. So at this point, I just take it for what it's worth. I just I'm entertained, but I don't really let it bother me because it's just too ridiculous at this point like nothing can surprise me anymore i'm kind of bummed out that truex doesn't make it considering the fact that you know since 2017 he's been in the final four um but i am gonna leave you with one little nugget you know how many top fives austin Dillon has this year one i want to say it's actually three it's at least two yeah he's got three top fives this year you know you know do you know how many Martin Truex Jr. has same number. Three. No, but, oh, does he really? Three. Yeah, he's five. led a lot of laps. He just uh, he's stuff been, happens, he's been at the front. Yeah. He's won stages. He hasn't huh. put just complete yeah, races together. 
Um, you can kind of say the same thing for Ryan Blaney, but he has more than three top fives this year. And he's been a legitimate contender at several different events and has had his bout of bad luck come around. Um, you know, and I wanted to go and, and find a reason to be like, you know, fuck Austin Dillon. You know, he shouldn't be in the playoffs. And I'm like, shit, he's got the same exact stats as Martin Truex. And yeah. he has one more win than Truex does. The only thing you know? for me is like the points position. It's like Dylan is what nineteenth and Truex is fourth. So that's my only real that's, bone to pick. That's with that. where the issue. That's where the issue kind of comes oh, yeah. in. It's like you know, like you look at everything face value and you see Truex is fourth and Austin Dylan is just getting himself into the top twenty. You know, so you're just like, how does one constitute the other? You know, how does one trump the other? I, I don't get it. But when you look at it a little bit deeper and you understand, damn, like. 19 car has not capitalized on anything this year. You know, they've had great race cars. They've had good cars at Nashville. They had a great car at Dover. You know, they've had really good opportunities to go out and and find themselves winning a race. Um, Shit, they probably even would have won Daytona on Sunday if they weren't being too greedy and being in the middle of the pack when shit started to get crazy. They had plenty of points. They were perfectly fine. They just had to ride around at that point, especially with Blaney all fucked up. Right. You know, they could have, and I'm sure they would have expected at some point, there's going to be a big one. You know, the, the urgency is going to be crazy. And it did. It got crazy. Even before when everybody dumped themselves in turn one, if Truex had just kept his nose clean, he would have had a perfectly fine car. And he would have beat Austin Dillon straight up. Yeah. And, yeah, and I don't that, think he was in that I, big I think one, 100%. Was he? Um, the, the big, big one, I don't think so. I think yeah. he was, he was pretty like far back that. out of the field. Yeah, yeah, and that's where he got fucked up. He got nailed by Ross Chastain. Chastain spun him. They got into it, and he lost the right front fender. So not only is he, he getting his car into a wreck, he's also missing a piece of a very important part of the aerodynamic system. And now he's on a damaged race car. He's got to limp around. You know, like that rain was as lucky as it could have been for Martin Truex. And ironically enough, it was the very same thing that kind of brought his own fate down. So it, it sucks. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, this this system that we have right now, it's going to reward winners. Do I think that it should always reward winners? It's so hard to play at black and white. And say, well, this guy's a winner and this guy's not. He should be in, he should be not. Um, I, it's, it's hard to, to try and police that. But I think there should be some kind of, some part of whatever we're doing here that I should say, listen, this guy's run X amount of laps, almost like a wild card like we had years ago. Right. Like, have a wild card driver in there. Make it, you know, knock it down to like 12 drivers get in. Yes. And yes. you have, you know, four wild cards get in, you know, and that should just be, you know, that should be something that the sport dictates how right. they want to go about it. That's entirely on them. But, you know, some of them, Martin Truex Jr., someone of his stature with a great race team and has a great position in points, he's the highest place driver outside of the playoff grid by like 130 points. Right. Mm-hmm. He was the highest Toyota in points. Yeah. As well before that. So it's just, it, it's mind boggling and it sucks, but this is where we're at and we just kind of have to accept it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of took the words right out of my mouth. Even if Blaney had missed it. Um, yeah. I would have been 
very upset, but also like I'm with Nate. Like there's, we can I can't only even like, take it. I just laugh at yeah. it. We, we can only bitch about it so much before we just have to accept that, you know, and I've noticed it last few years too. Like I just, I don't like playoffs in this right. fashion. Um, I watched significantly less NASCAR these last few weeks. Like I, I don't watch less. I just don't, I don't get super invested as to yeah, who wins the championship. Yeah, like I I'm not like, I used to be like, Oh my gosh, th- like I need this guy to win. But now I'm like, you know what? Whoever wins wins. Like I, yeah. like, I like just, I'm, in, I'm invested in the race, like, not in the big, like I've just yeah. not like, I've just been jaded to caring. Yeah. Um, so announced today also was Bubba Wallace will now drive the number 45 and at least this week, I think Ty Gibbs will drive the 23 um, just because the 45 is still in the hunt for the owner's championship, whereas the 23 isn't. Um, now, for anyone watching or listening to this, they are not switching teams. Bob is not going over to right. what was Kurt Busch's team. They're literally just taking the number off the car and slapping a different one on there. So it's the same shit, just different number. Um, what's your guys' thoughts on this, on 2311 making this change? Ooh, um, I'm actually – excited about it because i think this is a good play um i i saw somebody suggest that before and i didn't think they would do it but if you look at the track lineup you have darlington you have kansas you have texas you have talladega those are all really good tracks for toyota um i think bubba ran top five for a while at darlington at kansas before stuff happened mm-hmm. i think that at texas toyota will probably be fairly good because it's a mile and a half and then Talladega, he's always good there too. So these are good places for him to get a bunch of points for the owner's championship and teams need the money. So I think it was a smart play in the end because you're putting a driver that's a little bit more experienced in that position. And I think that if you want all the owner's points you can get, then that's probably your best move. I think Nate said it the best. If you want to win an owner's championship, this is the best move. Because that 45 is just going to sit there. You know, Ty Gibbs, he's he's getting used to this race car. He's getting used to a, a cup car, you know, full time. While Bubba Wallace, this is now what? This is his fifth year in the cup series. So he's he's got plenty of experience. And just like Nate said, 2311 has absolutely nailed these mile and a half racetracks. They've gotten really fast. They've gotten really good with having speed. Because at Michigan, second place car to the guy that's won the most Michigan races over the last five years. You know, like that's the only merit that he had against him was the fact that he got beat by the best driver. You know, you can't really argue that. Um, So heading into Darlington should be a solid race. Kansas is going to be an excellent race because that man came from the back to the front to the back to the front. And I think that that's going to be an awesome race for him. Didn't like every um, – wasn't there like six Toyotas in the top eight or something like that? They, it was – like They oh, they do this at every big track. I mean, Michigan too. Hamlin pretty much – he was, he had that race in hand before a penalty. And yes. I think he started – he restarted like 30th and he finished third. Yes. Like 30 so, laps. Like, it's comical it, how fast they are. It, it, they're really, really fast right now, which is awesome. Um, you know, and, and I think that when you kind of look at what we're looking at down the, down the road here – Bubba Wallace has the best opportunity to give them a, a good shot at, at a top 10. I'm looking at the points right now in terms of who we have in the playoffs. You, you got, of course, the 9, the 22, 1, 5, you know, strong teams. The 11, the 12, 
But then you have drivers like the 99, the 14, the 48, the 2, the 3. These are very beatable drivers for 2311. Let's oh, face yeah. it, because yeah. Kurt Busch, he would have been well up into the top 10, having an excellent opportunity. You know, like Kurt Busch only ran 20 races and he racked up five top fives and eight top tens, you know. So who knows what he could have ended up with heading down the stretch, especially with, you know, places like Michigan, you know, places like Daytona, you know, places where he's had success. He would have easily had an, possible uh, another win, you know, so this – 45 car with Bubba Wallace is going to be in really, really good hands. And it's an excellent business move. It's good for the sponsors. It's really good for the manufacturer. Um, you know, you want to give yourself as many horses as you can have in the race. And this is as best, the, the best chance they could possibly have. You have four Toyotas that are going to be running up against all these Chevys and Fords. Give it hell, man. See what you can do. Nate, you, yeah, I, I fully yeah. agree with him. Yeah, I was like, Keith, Keith covered it all right there. Holy shit! <laughs> also, I'm also I have all the stats in front of me. I am mistaken. Austin Dillon has four top fives, while Martin Truex has three. Damn. That is a weird statistic, and mind, I honestly think mind numbing. I AD honestly, confirmed. huh? AD is goat confirmed. Yeah, man, it has to be. He's the he, he's the new Dale. Yeah, <laughs> bringing the three back. Um, oh, also, man. quick little tidbit because I saw this on Twitter: Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick have the exact same average finish this year, and Reddick that is double the wins. Wild, yeah. And then the running position is like nine day, right? And it's it's like, just interesting to see it's how the a weird season end. Yeah, because if you look at it, like Hamlin was probably been like a top ten team in terms of speed, but he has fourteen finishes outside the top twenty. Yes, he had fourteen. In 26 races, like his average finish is only like is the second worst in his career, hands down, and it's only a few spots ahead of 2013. And it's like you would look at that on paper and like, oh my god, he's terrible. And then he runs really good, like his he runs inside the top 10 like every week. It's just something always takes him out. So I feel like Reddick's got more of the same problem. It's like he runs really good, but he just this is a year where. If you aren't Chase Elliott, you're probably not going to finish consistently in the top 10. Like, everyone's just all over the place. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. You know, laps led, you know, first is Chase Elliott. Mm-hmm. Second is Ross Chastain. Third goes to Kyle Busch. Yeah, and he's like eighth. I mean, fourth goes to Martin Truex. So, yeah. you know, I don't if, understand, if, man. If, if leading a lap in a race got him bonus points, I mean, shit, he'd be a hell of a lot better off. Um, you know, I'm looking at the DNFs here. Truex only had two all year long, which is mm-hmm. tied for the series best with Chase Elliott. Everybody else has three or more. Wow. Austin Dillon's got six. Kyle Larson's I don't even want to know what Hamlin's got. got six. Hamlin's got five. That, that's Hamlin, it? Hamlin's got five DNFs. I thought it would have been like twice that. No, he's got he's got five DNF. So does Reddick. So does Harvick. Alex Bowman, Ross Chastain. You know, but the consistency factor is what's keeping everybody alive. You know, Kyle Busch, Chase Briscoe, Joey Logano. They all got three. Ryan Blaney's got three. You know, so keeping your car out on the racetrack is really going to bode well. You know, regardless yeah. of the fact that you know it's it's a different kind of of point system that we used to have. 
you know, you look back in, you know, 2010s era where we had um, the 10 race chase. It wasn't bracket style. When you got back out on the racetrack, you tried to rack up as many points as you could, you know? So, and now with this uh, 10 minute damage clock, which I very much enjoy, um, I think that's a really cool thing that they've enacted. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities for these drivers to get back out on the racetrack and just log laps because, at the end of the day, Ryan Blaney's day could have been absolutely fucking toast on Sunday. Right. And because yeah, they was fixed amazed. that car, yeah. they fixed the car, they put it back out on the racetrack. However many laps down it was, it doesn't matter because he had 23 laps to get back around everybody and pick up as many spots as he could. So it, it all comes down to being out on the racetrack and giving yourself an opportunity. Um you know, there's a lot of really good drivers in here, and there's a lot of drivers that need to keep their cars under them, um, yeah. especially with some crazy-ass races we got coming up. I know we got Bristol, we got the Roval, we got Talladega. That's just three within the first six races of the playoffs. Oh, my. Yeah. And then I was so excited to see the round of eight. The round of eight this year is probably the best round of eight I've ever seen in the playoff era, the playoff grid era. And it kicks off at, give me a second, I have a stupid brain fart. It kicks off at Las Vegas, which was a great race. The second race is Homestead, which I'm super, super stoked to have that back in the playoffs. And, of course, the the round ender is going to be Martinsville. Um, And after seeing the test that they had, I believe it was last week, I have a lot of confidence that we're going to see a far better product than what we saw in the spring with the night race, especially considering the fact that the majority of this race in the fall is going to be in the sunlight. So going to be a really, really exciting playoff. Yeah, I'm interested. I think that we might see playoff spoilers this year. We almost never see them anymore, but I think that this year, there's like like we said, there's so many good cars to miss the playoffs that you might get one. I think obviously Bubba Wallace, he is not in the driver's playoffs, but I think that he can easily win a race. I think that Truex can easily go out and win a race. I, I have Truex winning the Southern 500 this weekend, even like I, I said that at the beginning of the season that he's going to win. And I, I'm still going to stick with that. I, even though he's not in the playoffs, I've had people tell me that I was nuts because, Oh, well, Oh, well there's, he's not going to get priority at JGR, but it's like, I mean, Hamlin did not get priority in 2013 when he broke his back. He still won a playoff race. His teammate was competing for the title, and he still won that race. You know, so it's very well possible. I think that who else could be up there? Is a playoff spoiler? I mean, you could draw a name out of a hat for Talladega. Eric Jones, yes, Eric Jones is a former 500 win, Mm -hmm. like Chris Buescher. Chris Buescher is a solid driver. He's, I mean, you've got really good drivers that are within this crop of drivers looking at now. And don't even get me started on what we have for Talladega. You've got some heavy, heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at eight of them right now. Jones, Almarola, Wallace, Busher, Haley, Stenhouse, McDowell, Keslowski. Like heavy, heavy hitters that you're going into the last plate race of the year. And these drivers don't have a win. Their sponsors haven't gotten a win. You look at RFK, you know, there. I know that Brad Keselowski said that this is going to be a couple year process, but damn, if you can go to Talladega and put one of your cars in victory lane, 
I mean, yeah. that would just be the cherry on top for I, – I have to say it, it'd be a successful season considering what it's been for the last few years with, you know, Roush Fenway as a whole. I mean, are they where they want to be? Absolutely not. Of course not. But Chris Buescher's 21st in points after missing a race. So, mm-hmm. you know, he could easily have been, you know, 18th in points. Um, you know, so it's been a really solid year with cars that haven't been the best. And they're doing whatever they can. And I, if any one of those drivers goes out and wins Talladega, it's it's going to be a massive win for the teams because you have Petty GMS, you have 2311, you know, you have Colleague, um, you have a very revamped JTG Doherty. I know that Ricky Stenhouse hasn't had the best of luck this year, but he's got one top five and five top tens this year, which is a solid effort for that 47 car. Right. Um, so looking, I mean, looking forward to playoffs, we kind of hit on spoilers a little bit. Who's your guys' pick for the first four out? And we'll, we'll kind of use this oh, as a into wrapping up here. You're um, killing me with this one. First four drivers out. I don't give a shit who wins the championship yet. All who right. The first four taking that banner off their car. This is fun one for me because I feel like it could be anybody. I mean, the outside of Chase Elliott, like everyone is like 20 points apart. So yeah. literally nobody is safe. So I could easily see Hamlin get knocked out in the first round because his pit crew's got 30 penalties already. You know, one of those penalties at Bristol, he's done because he's only plus six to the cut line. You know, that could be anybody. You know, Larson, he's had three engine failures. He could have one more. Boom, he's done. You know, it could be anybody. But I think that as of right now, there are too many weak cars that are in the bottom four for me to think that all of those guys are going to make it out. So I think that to start off, I don't see Austin Dillon making it out unless he has one of those miracle wins like he always does. I don't see Chase Persico making it out either because I, they, I don't think they've had a top 10 <coughs> in a long time. I, I struggle to see Alex Bowman in the next round just because I think that while they are fairly consistent in points, they just don't have speed. Outside of maybe Michigan in the summer, they just don't have top 10 speed. So I think that I I have trouble seeing him make it out. And uh, this is a tough one. I think that there's going to be one of the bottom four. It's going to make it out just based on attrition. Like one of the fast guys is going to have a problem, and that's how they're going to get through. But I can't really pick one favorite that I would have eliminated early. I think the most likely would be Hamlin to tend to get knocked out early. He'd be the biggest name that's in danger in the first round. But if we're going to play it safe, I think Austin Cindric is probably not going to make it. So I think the bottom four right now are probably my bottom four out. Unless, like I said, Hamlin could easily be a shock elimination. Keith, hit me with four. I have not one, but two Hendrick cars out in the first round. I got Alex Ooh. Bowman first. Alex Bowman, 29 laps led yeah. all year oh long, gosh, has yeah. not had that kind of speed. They haven't hit it. And I have the 24 out. He what has not like he, yeah. he has not been what he was at the very beginning of the year. Dude's got four top fives and five top ten. Sure, he's got two wins. But outside of those two wins, he's got nothing to show for it. And the only reason why he's even 
up there right now is because of what he did earlier in the year when he won in Atlanta, won at Mich- uh, Martinsville. That's it. Mm-hmm. That 24 car has been way off the mark. So I have both of them out because now he's what? I'm looking at the cut line right now. He is five, seven points up on the cut line. That's, yeah. There is no buffer. None. No. Like one and, penalty and you're done, basically. Like yeah, even just a speeding penalty. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be tough. Um, and then I have Austin Dillon. Hate to say it. It's cool to see him get into the playoffs, but I don't see him going past this. Um, and then I, I have to take Chase Briscoe. Chase Briscoe, you know, he hasn't been all that fast all year long. And he's also stepped under his own feet the entire year. You know, oh, sure, he won yeah. at Phoenix, but he fucked himself at, at Bristol, fucked himself in the 600. And, you know, they just don't have race-winning speed like they should. You know, like Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick with the same equipment. It has seven top fives, 13 top tens. And Chase Briscoe doesn't even have half of those. So it, it's it's hard to, to say that. So I got Bowman, Byron, Dylan, and Briscoe all exiting first round. I am going to say, I'm going to agree with Bowman Briscoe. Um, I think Sindrick is out as well. Um, Bowman, I'm just sweating as a Hamlin fan. Cause I'm like, yeah. I know that they can screw themselves this, um, this early being plus six. And I'm like, please don't, please don't, please don't make me right. Please. Don't. I have them winning at Bristol. That would be very nice. I think Austin Dillon makes it out of the round of 16. Attrition. Yeah, because I'm almost positive one of these other 13 drivers are going to have a major issue at at least one point during the playoffs. I can see like Kyle Busch having like some random problem. Like he always he's he's been he's been abysmal the last few months. Kyle Busch is probably going to be who I say is also eliminated. So Cindric Bowman. Uh, Briscoe and Bush. I don't. I think. think I, I think Kyle Bush is uh, as much as I love Kyle Bush. I think that's a pretty fair thing to say. Yeah. Um, only and because he's... of the fact that th- there's like you can feel the tension within. Right. Like you looking through the screen, you can feel the tension in that 18. Group. I think there's going to be at least one JGR car that misses around a 16. I don't know which one of those three is going to be, but I think someone's going to get unlucky. See, I think it's either Bush or Bell. I, I think Hamlin. I think Bell's making the round of eight. Like I know it's a little early, but that's my honest gut prediction. I mean, I'm looking at at the stats right now. I mean, he's got Bell's got double the top tens that Denny Hamlin does. He's pretty consistent. He's been rock solid this year, and I think Darlington's a great racetrack for him. Yeah, Kansas he's is a fast racetrack. Kansas is a fast racetrack for all the Toyotas and Bristol. I mean, shit. Bristol's a great racetrack, Christopher Bell. I'm looking at, at, at this whole round of 16, and there are so many opportunities here. Um, you know, of course, you, you got your Elliots, your Larsons, Logano, Chastain. Those are the guys yeah. that are going to be at the front of the field. And I think the guy that isn't really being talked about all that much about a, a you know, possible, not even a spoiler, but a driver that hasn't won this year that is in the playoffs is Ryan Blaney. Um Bristol is arguably one of his best racetracks, and he just has the worst possible luck whenever he gets out there. I swear. I've watched that man lead 200 laps and run into the back of a lap driver. I've watched him get caught up into some other bullshit. It's just 
I am waiting for this man's time to finally win a race at Bristol. And I can't see a better time than this year for him to have an opportunity to go up there and win. Just give it all you got, man. Man, if he makes the round at 12, then I think he can win Texas easy. Uh, he has lights out at Texas. Yeah. Too. We'll go over uh, the top, the championship four here in a week or two once we kind of see what mm-hmm. the playoff cars are looking like. Um, I want you guys to give me one solid sleeper for the round of four that you, All right. that you don't think anyone else believes. All right, let's do it. Not necessarily you have to pull the name out of a hat, but right. give me someone that could really surprise everyone. I'm going to say William Byron. I really that's, think he's That's a fun one, yeah, because he can go any – I mean, he almost won Darlington. He almost – shoot, he won Martinsville. I mean, it, like, who knows? That team is one good week away from clicking again and firing off a bunch of really good finishes right in a row. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to go with Christopher Bell because I've hyped him up for a majority of the season. Um, I think that, like I said, the first round is pretty good tracks for JGR. I think that I'm not so sure. I feel like Texas is the one track where the one mile and a half track where Toyota may not dominate because of Blaney and Harvick. But I think Bell is pretty good at the Roval. So I think he can just top 10 his way through there and survive. Um, If he gets to the round of eight, Vegas and Homestead are obvious Toyota. Like he could top five at both of those races. So I think that that's a very, very, very good sleeper pick because it seems like nobody ever talks about Chris Bell. I don't understand why that is. I've never fathomed as to how he can go so far under the radar, but I think he's got a real chance. There is one driver that I see here that. I talked about this December of last year of who my boldest prediction would be. And I have Tyler Reddick going all the way to the final four. He's fast. He's strong. You got really good racetracks for him. I know Darlington's going to be, Darlington's going to be a fucking elbows up race for him. Bristol's going to be an elbows up race for him. You got the Roval coming up, which he has, turned to be one of the best road racers that the sport has to offer right now. You got Homestead in the round of eight, which that might be a free win. That man is stupid nasty. And with a car that can be freely put up anywhere you want it, you put him up at Homestead and say, Hey, take whatever line you want. I have such a hard time betting against that man. And I think you plop them all against each other at Phoenix. That man's got a real opportunity to win himself a championship. That's a good one. He finished second there in uh in the spring. Had a had a damn good chance to take out Briscoe. Um and didn't. Unfortunately, Briscoe got to him first, I guess. Those are all really good ones. And I could realistically see any of them making it as like a oh, yeah. with Ryan Newman. <coughs> Kevin Harvick. Um yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I honestly think that he's gonna be pretty good. You let the old man get hot, and that's that's all it took. Yep. Yeah, um, that's a mistake for everybody. Everybody. So, ending on that one, we'll kind of hit on Darlington. Do you guys have any absurd predictions for Darlington? Oh, no. I just – I, I, people, people have been telling me it's absurd that Truex is going to win this race, but I just – something in me keeps telling me he's going to win this race because I think that Hamlin's going to be fast, but they're going to mess up. They've messed up, what, 30 times this year, according to the – penalty stats so i could see them coughing one up 
I think that if you look at Darlington's structure, there's four or five drivers that are like a league above everybody else. And that's Hamlin, that's Larson, that's Harvick, that's Truex. And I think Eric Jones is also up there. Like those five guys are just untouchable at Darlington. It's almost always one of those five guys that wins unless something crazy happens. Like when half the field wrecked in the spring, it's always one of those guys. So I think that I am genuinely very optimistic for Truex this weekend. And I'm a little interested for Xfinity because I was super excited for Larson versus Hamlin, you know, two of the best drivers at Darlington in an Xfinity car. And with Hamlin being out, I'm kind of just like, okay, well, Larson's probably just going to lead every lap now. So I'm curious to see if anybody can beat Larson in Xfinity. I think that's probably the boldest prediction would be if anybody thinks someone's going to beat him in Saturday. I think, I think Martin Truex Jr. is probably the best bet as the driver to go out and win. Um, he's just been a madman at the racetrack for the last few years. And I think that he's probably driving a little chip on his shoulder. Um, because the man is not done yet, you know, regardless of what the stats say, regardless of what the stats say, he's a solid race car driver and he still has the opportunity to go out and win. Um, I think you can't overlook Ross Chastain. He was no really, really good in the spring. Um, you can't look over Joe Logano. Um, him winning earlier for the 400 miler was pretty cool. Denny Hamlin, I will. You, if you utter Darlington, the very next word that comes out of my mouth is Denny yeah. Hamlin, yeah. and I, I say that wholeheartedly with every bit of love that I got in my heart because that man is a rock solid driver at Darlington. So he, I hope that he's going to be okay enough to race this weekend and contend and yeah. race, you know, up to the standards that I expect him to. And not necessarily a sleeper for this one, but a driver that's shown that he can be at the front of the field and has had the opportunity to win at Darlington in the past is Chase Elliott. Um, yeah. he, had, he had the 2020 uh, Southern 500 slip out of his hands with the whole Truex ordeal. Um, he had uh, that Wednesday race in early 2020 where he got spun by Kyle Busch. And earlier this year, when they ran the 400 miler, he wrecked his primary, came out with a backup, and they went, I think they finished fourth. Mm-hmm. So they were really, really, really quiet all day long, but they were fast. So regardless of the fact that the nine car is the best car statistic-wise, the fact that he's number one in points, um, and there's a lot of drivers that have a really good opportunity to go out and win at Darlington considering how fast they are. Um, I have a hard time seeing that Chase Elliott won't be at the front of the field. But I, I think that this is a wide-open race for drivers that wait for Darlington. You know, your Truexes, your Hamlins, your Eric Jones. And Eric Jones, he's a freaking wheel, man. I you was know? seeing a crazy stat, too, about Harvick. I think I don't think Harvick has finished outside the top 10 at Darlington since 2012. Yep. He's like he's, that. That is that makes no like that is absolutely amazing. He just it's it very much like Atlanta. It's an mm-hmm. old surface. You need to have your line and you need to have your method get around the racetrack. And if it works, it works. And yeah. Harvick has just done it for years. I mean, he's just he's awesome at the racetrack. He knows what he's doing. He just he methodically makes his way to the front of the field, qualifies well, races well, and never never lets anything get to him at the racetrack. He just he's just true. He chills. He cruises. He's great. Yep. Something about them old drivers on the old surface. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Um, other than that, do you guys have any last plugs before we uh, before we wrap it up here? Final Darlington preview. Uh, not really. Other than uh, I want to say thank you to whoever the petty GMS PR person that organized that meetup this weekend. I want to say thank you to whoever that was because that was great. Um, the fans had a really good time. Um, we had him there for like a petty was there for like a good hour and he was great to all the people. So hopefully they do something like that again in the future. Yeah, I got nothing to add to it. Just uh, pretty pumped for the Southern 500. One of my favorite race weekends of the whole year. Um, yeah. Darlington is one of those racetracks that I can just sit down and just be in awe for hours. So um, to have 500 miles, I know it's a long ass race, but it is awesome. Um, my attention span deficient ass is going to love sitting there and, and just watching one of the best races this series has to offer. So super pumped about it. Can't wait to get our uh, round of 16 underway. Get this excitement going. Yep. Hell yeah. Um, I want to give one final shout out to the stacking pennies listener who single-handedly ruined oh, NASCAR oh. parlay betting. Um, this guy. Never again will you see parlay odds like that at a top 10, I think, in general in NASCAR. We don't know. We actually cannot do parlays in the state of Florida. Really? I didn't know that. Yep, we can't do um, parlays. But either way, single-handedly ruined NASCAR betting for us. He made a $13 bet on Cody Ware, uh, Landon Castle, David Reagan, and BJ McLeod. They all get a top 10. The stat line was over plus $7 million to it. He bet $13. <laughs> He won $999,430 and some pocket change. Hell of a win. That's life-changing money right there. Um, but single-handedly ruins the parlay betting for me because um, no, yeah. never again will we see a payout that big in NASCAR. For the no. That wow, he, was... broke, he broke Fandle. Yeah, he oh, broke yeah. Fandle. Not a chance that ever happens like, again. I, no. You would have to call the entire top 10 on a parlay to do that. Like yeah. that was just silly shit. But hell, yeah, I, I mean, can't imagine the nerves from that guy watching the race. Like he's like, Come on, please just stay here, please. Yeah. Imagine he wasn't watching the race and he just opened up his fucking FanDuel account and he's like, Oh shit. I like hurts. to imagine I like to imagine that he was at work and like just snuck like a quick peek at his phone to see, you know, like the end of the race. Just um, by the way, do you guys think <laughs> do you guys think he called his boss? Or do you think he just stopped showing up to work? He might have just snuck out. I'd have just, yeah, oh, I probably wouldn't yeah. even have called anyone. I'd have been like, you know what? Fuck it. Because um, I, I don't know if you could say anything like, yeah, I got a million just waiting for me right now. So, yeah, yeah I would I would keep that a secret for the rest of my life. I'd work yeah, that's... for a week so I could get paid so that my bank account has over a million dollars in it. I would, I would just keep working and then I would, you know, I would buy some of my stuff, but people would never know how I got that money. Man, Nate's the smart one because I'm quitting my fucking I would, job. I would never day. know. Like they would never know. Like how did you get that car? I'm like I don't know. You ask me. Yeah. You know. I'm just never know. Savings. I'm investing. I am never working another day in my life. If I win that. Oh, but I definitely do that too. But I, I don't have know. To worry if about I... that. That will never happen again. <laughs> but hell of a week for this guy. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that was my final shout out. I just thought that was so fucking cool. Um. Anyway, that from all of here at Sandfuel, um, Keith, where's my ruler at here? Keith, way on over there. Um, is going to be, the, I think, I don't know. Alex hasn't told me anything about this, but I guess you are on board with possibly becoming a full-time fan fueler. Um, exciting. There is a very real possibility that that does happen. Oh, yeah. Um, 
solely um, because of the fact that I'm trying to get my schedule changed a little bit so where I'd be able to, you know, hang out with you guys until about like 8.45, right about now. It would be perfect. A little over an hour podcast would be perfect. And, uh, you know, be able to fit that in. Um, I think that would be something that would be uh, very, very uh, welcomed in my life, for sure. Yeah, yeah I'll look so, out for Keith. He is definitely one of our favorite recurring guests um, and could be one of our favorite co-hosts here soon to help kind of fill up some schedule space. Um, so we really do appreciate you, Keith, and you, Nate, for always making it. No one ever says thank you to Nate. Nate does yeah. so much. <laughs> it's going to be tough with school, right? I'm kind of turning Nate's into yeah, every man. I'm not like a full-time guy now. I'm like a every couple weeks guy. Yeah. You know, this is, um, a, this is what, this is the first of the month. So yeah. So who knows when you'll see me, you might see me next week. You might see me in a couple weeks. I don't know. Yeah. And who knows if, if we'll see Jared again. I mean, I don't, kind of so many spring car races. Um, <laughs> other than that, thank you guys for listening. This was episode 74. Um, I guess we'll have like a little, I don't know what would be the 75th anniversary be. Is that a, like a gold anniversary or something? I don't fucking know. I, um, I thought 50 was gold. I think 50. Yeah, was, you're right. 75 is platinum. There we go. So we'll have a platinum yeah. episode next week coming out for you guys. Um, be sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, and Twitch at fan fuel MSM, or just at fan fuel motorsports on Facebook. Um, same with our YouTube channel. Please check it out. Um, we have a lot of uh, one-on-one interviews with some dirt drivers on there right now. Um, other than that, you guys have a great week and we will see you later.